All right, church, how are we today? All right, well, uh, we are week two. Is my microphone on? All right, we are week two of our series called The Elephant in the Room. We started off last week uh, with our very first topic. And what we're doing, we're covering topics of things that, that, uh, that maybe the church doesn't normally talk about, things we don't always address. So this week we're covering a topic I think is probably one of the heaviest out there because I believe it's so very personable or personal for all of us. We're going to cover a topic, and this topic today is why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow difficulty? Specifically, I want to ask this question today, why doesn't God do something about that? Right? Because all of you guys can think of whatever your that is. Some of your that's uh, are sitting next to you right now, right? Why doesn't God do something about that? Or you might have that at home, you might have that at work, right? Some of us, we have that in, in all types of places in our life. Some of us right now, you have, you have a major, major dark struggle going on. Uh, some of you have some major hurts going on. But I think all of our question, questions are, God, really, if you love us, if you really care about us, why won't you do something about that? Uh, Jesus loved us so much that instead of just teaching about that, he actually created his own drama, like a real-life story to illustrate for us so we could know what he thinks about that, what he thinks about us. So I want to dive right in quickly this morning into a passage of Scripture that uh, if, you, if you open up John chapter 11, uh, I almost want you to not even look at what the title of it says because I want to walk through this, and I want you to, I want you to try to put your yourselves um, in the same vein of thinking as the early listeners would have been listening and hearing Jesus because they didn't know the end of the story. If you've ever read, if you've ever read this story before, if you've heard this passage before, if you've heard a pastor or somebody teach about this before, you know how this ends up. Well, the listeners on that day, they did not know how this would end up. And that's what made this so potent. That's what made this so powerful. That Jesus literally decided, I'm not just going to teach about this, but I'm going to actually create my own drama, lean into this drama, and extract some powerful lessons and powerful powerful things of what I think about you, especially when you're going through difficult times. And so I want to walk through this today. I don't know that I can answer all of our questions. I don't know that maybe this gives you uh, every uh, how or why of what God does or doesn't do when he answers prayer requests or he doesn't answer requests or why he allows bad things to happen. But we will walk away today with how and what we know about what God thinks about us. So let me do this. Let me pray for us because I just believe that this is, this is a heavy, heavy subject for many of us today. So, Lord, let's, uh, let's pray. God, we, uh, we pause for a moment right now, God, and we ask that you would, you would give us eyes and ears to see and to hear what you'd have us learn and know out of, out of, uh, out of this story. God, we thank you that, um, that you, literally, you literally lived this story out. You literally uh, modeled it uh, so that it would be extra powerful. It would be extra uh, opportunistic for us to grasp uh, in our darkest days what you really think about us, how you really feel about us. So, Lord, help us today. Guide us. I pray your spirit's presence would, would be with us. We ask for you to guide us in this conversation. In your name I pray, amen. John chapter 11. Uh, we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament. 
It's the uh, fourth book in the Bible, the New Testament. Uh, if you don't have a Bible this morning, maybe grab your smartphone. You do want to see this. If you don't have any of those options or you're just not very technical, uh, we have it up on the screens for you, all right? It's a lot of verses today, so track with us. I'm going to tell you this story in its entirety, and I believe it will be a blessing for you today. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. Lazarus. How many of you guys have ever heard of a guy named Lazarus out of the Bible before, all right? Just remember, this was the first time anybody had witnessed this story. So there was a man named Lazarus. He was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So these are sisters, and Lazarus is the brother. Uh, John gives us some clarification of which Mary this is. This is the Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick. She was the one, the same one who poured perfume on the Lord's feet uh, and wiped his wiped his perfume off with her hair. So everybody back then would have said, oh, that Mary. Yeah, that one, that, that one. Okay, she was known. She was kind of like that. Why in the world would someone do that? All this perfume on Jesus' feet. She must have really thought a lot of him. So everybody would have known, oh, that's who this is about. So in verse 3, so the sisters went or sent word to Jesus, and this is the, this is the word they sent. They said, Lord, the one you love is sick. So many people then, they knew that, that Jesus really loved this guy Lazarus. And so you know Lazarus had to feel pretty good. Uh, he gets, Jesus gets word, the one you love is sick. He instantly knows who they're talking about. Scripture right out front, John writing this very quickly wants people to recognize Jesus loved this guy Lazarus. And this guy, this guy Lazarus, he felt loved so much so I think he walked around. This was his name tag. He had the, the name tag. Everyone, hey, I'm that guy. I'm that guy, okay? You know me, I'm that guy. I'm the guy that Jesus loved. So, so it's very clear in Scripture that God loved this guy. Even the sisters are referring to Jesus knowing that he loves this guy. And they get the, Jesus gets this word that uh, Lazarus is sick. And uh, in verse 4, when he heard this, when Jesus heard this, right, the very first time he hears that Lazarus is sick, he says, this sickness will not end in death. And I think everybody was like, "Woo, awesome. This is going to be cool. What are you going to do, right? No one knows the story. No one knows where this is going. But they're like, okay, we better hang on to that. We better, we better track with what's going on here. This is going to be cool. So this sickness will not end in death. No. And then he creates like a whole new category for, for what is about to happen. So all of a sudden, Jesus, he says, this sickness will not end in death, no. And then he creates a whole new category, no. It's for God's glory. And I'm not sure they grasp what that means. It's for God's glory. And then so that, here comes a purpose statement. Here's a purpose statement. So that God's Son may be glorified. Now they're listening and, and, and disciples are around and they're, they're trying to grasp this. And I, they don't really have a clue what's going on. And, and, and really, um, without reading the whole book of John, this is probably hard to grasp what God's trying to do here. How he's going to make sense out of this tragedy that's about to happen. So this is for God's glory so that God's Son can be glorified and through it. So, uh, so maybe you're asking, I've never heard that in Sunday school, right? God's going to... Um, 
let a guy be sick, and he's going to use this for his own glory. Um, this is kind of a new way of thinking. Uh, and what Jesus is essentially saying here, he's saying, I'm about to give you some hope. Not just hope for now, but hope for your entire lifetime and beyond. I'm about to, I'm about to create something that's pretty out there. It's pretty radical, but it's going to be something for you when you go through difficult times that you're going to know about me. It's going to it's be there to give you hope. And so then John pauses. He's writing this. John's the author. John pauses here uh, in the story to make something like ridiculously clear. If you don't, aren't already know, if you don't already know this, John makes this clear. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved Mary, the sister, and Jesus loved Lazarus. Now, why add that? Why add that? Didn't we just know that he, we, we heard that he loves Lazarus, right? So why is he pausing? Why does he add that? Uh, I believe because <clears throat> you're not going to believe what happens next, right? I don't think anybody could believe what is going to happen next. So Jesus, uh, Jesus, you know, makes clear that he doesn't just know them. He just doesn't like them. He loved them. So in verse 6, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, this is crazy sounding, right? John just made very, very clear that Jesus loves Lazarus. Jesus loved the sisters, Mary and Martha, but he finds out his loved one's sick. And what do you do when you find out someone's sick? If someone's sick, what do you do? You go help them, right? If my wife is sick in bed and I'm off somewhere else, I get the phone call, I'm coming home. Baby, what do you need? You need a NyQuil? You need your back rub? What do you need? My kids are sick, man. Dad's, dad's running, right? When your family, when your loved ones are sick, you rush in to help. But Jesus doesn't. He doesn't. And I think to everybody who's, everyone who's in the scene already, they're confused. They don't know why Jesus is not doing anything. So when he hears this, he stays two more days. Two more days, yeah, two more days. So I think by now the disciples, as they've sat two more days, he's got all his guys, his followers with them. They probably forget what's going on. They probably forget that there's a guy sick because Jesus hasn't done anything. I'm sure life goes on. Things are happening. They're dealing with daily life, you know, whatever. And so they probably forgot the whole thing. But they quickly remember because in verse 7, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. That's where Lazarus was. Now, the disciples, they know Judea because they'd been there before. So in verse 8, they say, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back. Translation, when the Jews stone you, sometimes they miss and hit us. Right? So, so they don't want to go back, right? They'd rather not. So, uh, so then Jesus decides to help the disciples, uh, a part of this story, he wants to give them a lesson. He wants them to have something that, tangible to hang on to in the midst of this story. So, uh, so he answers, are there not 12 hours of the day? And the disciples are probably like other times in the Bible when Jesus starts going into like a, a story or a parable and he says some really witty or out there type things. All of a sudden they're like, weren't we just talking about Judea? And you're talking about like 12 hours of daylight, you know, and, and John the whole time, he's, he's the author of the book. He's, he's, he's jotting everything down. He's like shushing everybody. Shh, you guys be quiet. Just take notes, right? Just listen. 
Let's just listen to what he says. Be quiet. But they're, they're probably wondering what's going on. This, what is the whole 12 hours of daylight? And Jesus goes on in verse 9. He says, anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. Makes good sense. For they see by this world's light. It is, it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they do not have light. And they're just going like, what? What, what are you talking about here, right? This, I mean, like, I get it, but, I mean, what's the point now? I mean, why, why are you trying to factor this into this story? But here, here's what I'm thinking. If you ever read the whole book of John, this makes sense. Because what Jesus is ultimately saying here is, is that there's an opportunity you have this opportunity. He's talking about 12 hours of daylight, right? When you've got daylight, you've got opportunity, right? You can do stuff in the day that you can't do at night. So if you're going to work, if you're going to make haste, if you're going to take action on something, you better do it when you have the opportunity. And what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, guys, listen, I'm not going to be here that much longer. There's an opportunity here. I want you engaged in what's about to happen. Because when I'm gone, I'm gone. And essentially, when I'm gone, this light goes out, guys. So he's saying to these guys, I want you engaged. I want you involved. I want you in this story because I want to pass on a candle to you. I want to pass on a light to you that's, that's going to be something that you're going to carry after I'm gone. But I've got to, you've got to understand this. You've got to know what I'm doing in this. And I want to pass this on to you so you can pass it on to others. And I think that's what God is saying here. I think that's what Jesus is saying here to these guys. So in verse 11, after he says, you don't want to miss this, verse 11, after he said this, he went on to tell them. And he goes on to explain, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going there, I'm going to there, I'm going there to wake him. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, will he get better? Jesus had been speaking of death. But the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. And, and, I, and I think the disciples are grasping, like, as he says he's asleep, he just thinks he's falling asleep, just like anybody else would fall asleep. And they, 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 they basically do what we do sometimes, and we try to give God, like, medical advice, right? God, if you would just help my illness like this, then we'd be happy. God, you know, we do that with God. We try to tell God what we think would work best for us, right? We've all done that. Disciples do that. Hey, you know, if why don't you just let him sleep? If he's sleeping, let him sleep. If he sleeps longer, he'll get well. Doesn't that make good sense, Jesus? Let him do that. But Jesus is not talking about that. He's talking about this guy has gone to, like, sleep, dead sleep. Like, he's not waking up. He's dead. So all of a sudden, he uh, clearly articulates this to the disciples. In verse 14, he tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And then all of a sudden, Jesus makes what comes up next the most insensitive statement probably in all the Bible. And this is what he said, verse 15. And so he says, Lazarus is dead. And in verse 15, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. And these guys are just, they're, they're scratching their heads now. They're, they're, they're thinking, what? You just, you just articulated every way you could articulate that you love Lazarus, we've waited all this time, and now you've just clearly told us that you're waiting and you're glad you were not there. So wait, you knew he was going to die? Is that that what you're saying, Jesus? Yep. You mean you're going to let Mary and Martha nurse their brother all the way till he dies and give all that effort 
Because you're going to just choose to wait? Yep. You mean you waited two days on purpose? Yep. So, Jesus, I'm just thinking these guys are thinking, what could be so important that you would let, that would be so important, right, that you would let somebody die? And here's what Jesus said. I did this for your sake. I'm glad I was not there. And then you see, so that, there's that purpose statement in, so that what? So that you would what? So that you would believe. So that you would believe, but let's go see him. So wait, you think this is so important. You waited because you think this is so important that you would let somebody die so we would have the opportunity to grow up and allow our faith to become bigger and larger in you. And I think Jesus is saying, yeah, that's why I did this. I did this so your faith would be bigger, not in what I can do, but in me. I want you to trust in me. I want you to believe more in me. In your darkest times, I think the point that Jesus is making here, that you can weather the storm, you can get through the difficulty, you can go through this with hope that no matter what, God loves you. And that's what God wants us to know, that whatever the difficulty, whatever the size problem is, Jesus wants us to still believe in him. Not quitting in the worst part of it, but believing all the way through it. And that's what Jesus is, is, is trying to model these guys here. So he wants their faith to grow. And then I love this, verse 16, it said, Then Thomas, also known as Didymus. Thomas is the guy in the Bible that always struggled with believing. Uh, there's different places of where we learn that in Scripture. But I think Thomas is kind of like kind of like Eeyore in the cartoons with Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh where Eeyore will always just kind of put his ears down and be like, oh, the world's falling apart. Because listen, listen to this. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go, let us also go that we, we may just die with him. Right? Like he's just like, like we're, they're going to, he's, He's going to die. They're, they're probably going to die. We're probably going to go there. We're going to die. Let's just forget the whole thing. Let's all just die. Right? Thomas is just like having like his own like the world's, I'm just drowning in death. Right? He's just like, he's struggling here. So Thomas says what he thinks. He's Mr. Naysayer, very negative. Right? And in verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. So he's waited and waited and waited. And, and as he gets there, he, he, he knows this already, but it says he's found that he's been dead for four days. So you can imagine at this point how embarrassing this must be for the disciples to, to walk into town, right? Picture this. Uh, they, they initially sent word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. Jesus makes some statements. Everybody believes Jesus is on his way. He's only a day and a half away. So everybody thinks, hey, this is all well and good. Jesus will be there. The sisters, they've, they've now gotten word back. Jesus is on his way. So everybody's like, "Woo, Jesus is coming. We've seen him do miracles. I mean, for people that aren't, that aren't Jews, we've seen him do miracles for people who are just total strangers. I mean, he loves Lazarus. So with all the wonderful miracles and awesome things he's done for everybody else, guys, just get ready for this. He's about to do something awesome, right? So all of a sudden, it's been four days. And everybody who's come from out of town has come 
from out of town, from all around, and they're there to console and nurture and say all the nice, positive, wonderful things to Mary and Martha about their sick brother who's now dead. And now by this time after four days, because it's normally ritual that after three days they would bury the person. Usually uh, back then there were some superstitions that, that, the, that the spirit would leave the body and look back at the body. And if it was not like three days old, the body would come back. But if it was after three days old, the spirit would say, ah, the body's dead, it stinks, it's, it's, it's not, he's not coming back to life, I'm out of here. So by that point, with everybody's superstition, everybody knows the dude's dead. So Mary and Martha, here they love Jesus. Here they have always believed that, that he loves them. And here everybody's paying attention, everybody's watching, they're trying to not only console themselves that their brother's dead, but they're trying to make, make excuse for why Jesus is not there, right? So here Jesus, he waltzes up in town with the disciples. They're probably, like, like, they're probably covering like we're going to get stoned for sure, right? Look out, you know, Jesus, can you put like the super friends like form of, shape of, something, you know, the block, you know, like the Incredibles daughter in the movie anybody remember that so like they're waiting for like him to do something like but no no rocks come jesus is is not happen happening with that but it says in verse 18 now bethany was less than two miles from jerusalem and many jews had come to mary and martha to comfort them so all these people have been showing up in the loss of their brother uh and by now they've buried him Jesus missed the entire funeral, right? All the festivities. Jesus is not there for any of it. And when Martha heard heard that Jesus was close or was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. So why did why did Martha come out and what was what was going on emotionally for Mary to not want to come out? What was the, what was up emotionally with Mary? She's mad, right? She's 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 ticked. Remember, in other parts of the Bible, we know she's kind of like the spontaneous one. So Jesus shows up. Mary runs out, but, but, but Martha runs out, but Mary stays back because she's just, she's angry. She's mad. She's hurt. So Martha comes out, and when Martha heard that she was coming out, uh, she came out, and she said, Lord, verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd not been there, my brother would not have died. This is your fault, right? She's reminding him, hey, all this is your fault. If you'd have just come sooner, what was so important that kept you, right? She's kind of making him known that she's not happy, she's hurt. Verse 22, but I know that even now, God, you will give whatever you ask. So she, she's exercising, but I still believe in you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection of the last day. Now she's thinking he's talking about yeah, let's all applaud that. One day we'll all go to heaven, and we'll all be in heaven together, and it'll be a happy, happy day. He, she's thinking Jesus is saying that he'll rise again in those days. But Jesus says to her, no, 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 Martha, you're, you're missing something here. In verse 25, Jesus says to her, no, 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 I'm the resurrection in life. See, Martha, you think, that the resurrection is an event, and it is. The resurrection is an event. But Jesus says to Martha, but I'm the resurrection. And I think what he's, what she's try, what he's trying to help her grasp is, I know that many people will love me for what I can do for them, but Martha, all that 
all that that happens, all the things that I can do, even the resurrection that I made possible, I'm all of that. I'm Jesus. And so she's listening to this, and you would expect him to say something more sensitive, right? Like, I'm so sorry, your brother, and let me just hug on you. But, and it's, it's not anything you would probably want to say to a person, right, that just died. I mean, either he is a total lunatic, a total farce, or he's Jesus, right? Because he's saying something profound here. He is saying something completely that's like just as, as bold as you can imagine. And then he goes on, he says, the one who believes in me will live. The one who believes in me, referring to himself, the one who believes in me will live even though they'll die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I mean, just wow, just powerful, just incredible statements about what you believe in. And he's wanting her to believe in him, to not quit in the midst of her struggle, not to to waver in her belief, but in the midst of her darkest days to say, listen, your belief is okay if you're placing it in me. Keep on believing in me. And then he asks a question that I believe that he asks of all of us. And it's the same question I think that's, that's asked when we're 10, uh, when, we're, when, we, when we're 13 or 14 and we're going through middle school life crisis and like your world's crashing down. I think it's the same question but more and more difficult as we get older when you become married and you go through some marital, marital struggles. I, I think it's the same question when life gets harder and when you have kids. Right? Don't you know that life gets harder sometimes when you have kids? I'm just saying. Uh, you love them, right? But you know what? Kids, no, nah, I don't want to say all that because I'll, I'll detour and I'll get rabbit trailed. So, so I mean, as, as life gets harder and you get older, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the same question that's being asked over and over and over. And this is what he asks. And it's the same question that we have to ask of ourselves at every stage with every difficulty, with every problem, all through our life as we get deeper and deeper into life. And this is the question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And that's what she asks, that's what he asks Martha in this scenario. Martha, after all of this, after me not coming, after you doing the funeral by yourself, after being being four days, do you still trust me? Even though I've not acted like you thought I would act, do you still believe? Even though I haven't done what you'd hoped I'd do, I would have done, do you still believe in me? And I think what Jesus helps them grasp, but I think is also for us, is I think he helps us grasp that it's not just for their sake, it's for our sake. The story wasn't just for then, it was, it was for all of lifetime. In verse 27, her response is, she says, Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, the teacher's here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. So finally, Mary shows up. And when Jesus saw her weeping, I love this. This is what we can see in the midst of our struggles Whatever we are confused about what Jesus is doing or not doing in your struggle, this is what we can walk away with. Mary shows up. She walks out to Jesus. 
Jesus, upon seeing her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, it says that he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he asked this question, where have you laid him? And they said, come and see, Lord, they replied. And somewhere along the way or at the tune, John records something incredibly powerful. And, 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 and I think it's so powerful that it helps us understand how God feels about us even when we're in pain and when he hasn't done anything about it. But this is what John records. He records that Jesus wept. So as he saw Mary come out, as he witnessed the people coming out that were just grieved and brokenhearted over the loss of their loved one, it says Jesus wept. And that's what we learn about God. In our darkest days, God obviously cares about us. I mean, Jesus physically wept. He cried. He was grieved. He was moved. His heart was broken in the midst of him telling and, and making this story happen. He was hurt for them. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved them. Even the Jews recognized this. See how he loved them. But some of them, some of them said, could he not have opened the eyes of the blind of the blind man and kept this thing from dying? And that's always the question, right? Could not have God not have done something about this, right? So, but why didn't he do anything about that? That's what they're asking. In verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a tomb laid across the entrance. And Jesus said, take away the stone, he said. But Lord said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there, there's a bad odor. So Martha um, maybe whittles the knife a little bit further, uh, twisting the knife in. It's like, God, Jesus, it's four days now. You know it stinks, right? You get this, right? You know you've waited and you've waited and you've waited. So by now, this is not going to be pretty. It smells. Just to make sure he, you know, She's clear that he understands this. For he has been there four days. And then he, then he says to her and to us, verse 40, Then Jesus said, Did not I tell you, and here's what he said earlier, Did I not already tell you that if you believe, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Wait, was that, wait, I think they're pausing like, Wait, Jesus, is this what that was all about? You did all of this just so we would believe and learn something about you? And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah. Verse 41, so they, they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, and he goes into this prayer. Before I read you this prayer, I think this is kind of cool, that Jesus turns away from the audience that's watching, and he begins to pray to God, and essentially he says, God, you and I know what's going on. They don't have a clue. You know that I've got I've to I've do something here that I want to reflect who you are. So is everybody watching? God's like, yeah, they're all watching, all right? So then he, then he finishes praying. He turns back, and he prays this. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. Everybody's listening. They're all listening to, 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 to Jesus pray to God, right? You knew that. You always hear me. I know that you always hear me. You know that I always, you know, we, we're working, we're gelling. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. All right, so this whole story, 
everything that he's allowing to be played out in real life was all for our purpose, right? You see what's going on here? All of this was for us to know something. All of, a, all of this whole story being lived out in its full emotional form was for us to grasp something about Jesus. So he prays, and he says that this was for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may, be, they may believe that you sent me. So essentially Jesus is saying, this was about me, so they would know you. This was about me, so they would know you. In verse 43, 43, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And verse 44, it said, the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen, a cloth around his face, and Jesus said to them, he had to like instruct them at that point. I think they're like their jaws are like, uh, what's going on? He's like, hey, take the grave clothes off him and let him go. You know why they're not doing anything at this point? Because no one's gonna go near Lazarus. Right? I mean, they're like, whoa, wait a second. There's another dead guy, right? This is freaky. So he tells them, guys, get in there, take the grave clothes off, let him go. They're stunned. People are like just going nuts or they're I mean they're in complete disbelief, but nobody can say it's not happening because they're literally watching their, this with their eyes. In verse 45, it said, Therefore, many Jews who had come to see, had come to visit Mary, and had seen what Jesus did, believed. And I bet they did. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? I bet everybody, I bet everybody who was there that day were like, all bow to King Jesus. I'm in with that guy. Right? If I ever disbelieved, if I ever thought he was a farce, if I ever thought he didn't love us, man, it's been proven today on this day. I believe everybody in that town believed. People were blown away. And here's what they walked away with. There is nothing, 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 nothing he can't do. Am I right? There is nothing he can't do. So the question is, the same question in the beginning of this service, why doesn't God do something about it? Why doesn't he do some things? Why, why doesn't God intervene at times when we want him to? I'm going to give you three quickies as we dismiss today. The first one is this. Why doesn't, why doesn't God do something about it? Number one, he can. We've got to know that he can. We've got to believe that, that God can do all things, right? We've got to always go through life completely placing our faith that God has the power. He is God. He's never lacking in being God. He is large and he's in charge, right? God can. The second thing is, we've got to know this. Sometimes he waits. Sometimes he waits. Sometimes God doesn't do it when we think he should. And the third thing is, when he, when he waits, we still can trust him in the meantime. Even though God waits, even though God lets things get strung out, even though you think I, there's not a, I cannot carry any more of this burden, and you've begged and you've pleaded, God, take it from me. We've got to know that God can. We've got to know that sometimes he waits, but in the meantime, we keep trusting him. In the meantime, know that he's worthy and loves us enough that no matter what, we can still place our trust in him. 
not in what he can do, because sometimes we don't know if and when he's going to do that. I've got friends I'm praying for right now that they've got some crazy diseases, like nobody has this disease but this one guy, right? You know somebody like that. You know somebody's got something terrible. I've got a friend, a neighbor, who's got radical cancer right now. And these people, that's like myself and, and many of us with different predicaments, different struggles, we have to wrestle through our struggle of belief, and our belief can't rest on what God is doing or not doing lately. We can't place our belief in the circumstance of what God is doing in the moment. Our trust, our belief, has to be in Him. Why? Because He made me the promise. He made you the promise. And here's the promise. John eleven forty. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. I believe with all my heart God wants to give us a glimpse of His glory on this earth. I, I believe some of us, maybe God will give you a glimpse of may, and maybe in some answers of why at times. Maybe God will actually fix something. Maybe he solves like this catastrophic dilemma, struggle, problem that you've been praying for. Maybe he doesn't. But I believe that this promise is true. In the end, if we will not quit on believing in him, we'll see God's glory. We will see God's glory. And my hope is that every person in here would place your hope, place your trust in Jesus as our salvation and that he loves us on this planet and he loves us so much that he would make a way for us through this lifetime to cling to him and to have hope for heaven all of our our lives, for all of eternity. Let's pray. Lord, we... uh, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for the simplicity of it. God, I thank you that you, uh, you just didn't teach this story. I don't know, God, if we could have um, bought into it if it was just a nice parable. Because, God, I believe it's the human dilemma uh, that we've got pain, that there's sin, and, and because of sin, there's death. God, because of, you know, just our fallen world, there's, there's hurt. God, there's just humanity. But God, I thank you that you sent Jesus who reflects you, who modeled to us love, who modeled to us grace, who offered to us forgiveness. God, we praise you for that, that Jesus is the answer to all of it. God, thank you that he he is the resurrection. He is the life. God, I pray that we all today place our hope and our trust in him. Lord, thank you for this story. Thank you for giving us the gift of faith. And God, I pray for those that are going through some radical difficulties right now. God, would you just touch down in their lives? Give them a glimpse of you. Give them a glimpse of your glory. Uh, Bring someone in their life. Give them some hope. God, just tangibly would, would we be able to see you in the midst of our struggles. But God, give us grit. Give us determination. God, give us a no-quit faith in you today. We ask for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, A few years ago, when Jeff and I were going through kind of a dark time and a dark season, some of you have been there, some of you are there now, um, 
we were asking the question, God, are you good? And if you are good, then where are you? <laughs> and why aren't you doing anything about what we're seeing around us? We'd spent a couple years in a hospital with different family members. Some of you ex have experienced things like that. And a friend of ours gave us a song in the middle of that dark season. And Jeff asked our band if they would close with this song so that you would leave reminded that no matter what you're going through or no matter what you will face in the future, God is with you during that time and he'll carry you. So I'm going to invite our host teams to come as we close. We always close with a worship song just to give you an opportunity to kind of let God speak to you um, for just a minute where you know, you're not listening to Jeff anymore, but just it's a moment where the Holy Spirit can speak to your heart. And it's a time that we make responses to God. And there are multiple ways you can do that. You can do that privately, internally in your heart. Um, sometimes it helps to literally write down what God is showing to you or saying to you. And you can do that on our connections card and you can keep that. Sometimes I do that and I stick it in my Bible and then I find it a couple months later and it's like, wow, God, you really did answer that. I really have taken a step forward. Or you can do that on the connection card and you can drop it in the bucket that is about to come by. Um, the end of our service is also a time that we worship through giving. Some of us, our response to God is, God, we're going to trust you with our stuff. And some of us, we just believe God can do more with it than we can do with ourselves. And if that's you, there's an offering envelope that you can use to participate through being generous. Or you can, now you can do a real easy way where you just text my church um, on your phone and it sets you up with online giving if that's something that God is leading you to participate in. Wherever you are this morning, whatever it is that God is saying to you, I invite you just in these next three or four minutes as our band closes in this song for you to make a response to God or simply to ask God, what is it that you have for me today? So I'm going to invite you guys to stand. Our host teams have come and they're going to pass this bucket if you want to drop your connection card in or if you want to participate in the offering. Thank you, my church band, for preparing this song for us. <laughs> 